Welcome to today's podcast, Global Citizen Life. Today we have Thomas joining us. Thank you very much for joining us, Thomas. Uh, happy to be here. So can you tell our listeners a, a little bit about yourself and your journey into entrepreneurship? Okay. Uh, I started out my life in entrepreneurship early. I, my, my, my first uh, business I ever had, I was 14 years old selling firewood to my neighbors. I lived out in the middle of nowhere, but I've always been very entrepreneurial. Uh, I went to engineering school, and after I got out, I went into Silicon Valley and worked in startups there and actually was fortunate enough to take two different companies public. So I was able to do lots of things. I learned a lot of lessons in that process, but I knew even from the beginning that uh, sort of corporate America really wasn't for me. And that really was, wasn't the way that I wanted to go. I wanted to have my own, uh, my own operations and work with my own people. Uh, in that process, in the process of working through uh, the technology side of my company, I was lucky enough to be able to travel, uh, I'm pretty sure, to 43 different countries and see a lot of the world and do a lot of business and make a lot of contacts around the world. And I was luckier, I was lucky to go back and I'm in the process now really leveraging those contacts that I made those days in order to uh, operate uh, businesses internationally today. Excellent. Well, it's very important, um, you know, when we're learning things and not not burning bridges, even though we're not staying in one company or one position that we never know when things can kind of come full circle for us. Absolutely. The relationships that I built during that time uh, are, they're not only precious to me because I really love those people, but uh, they're, they're uh, really important to be able to go learn to operate outside, uh, the, United, outside the United States. Uh, it's uh, it's one thing to travel, you know, get on a plane and go to China or go to you know, Italy and go see the places of tourists. It's completely different to be tied into interpersonal relationships in those countries because the experience is so much richer because you've got people who can help you and open doors for you. And I found that to be invaluable, both from a personal standpoint and from a business standpoint. Absolutely. It, it really is. And just viewing a place and knowing if you're going to get into business, kind of knowing how things work there and and the lives that you can be affecting, the, the people that you're going to be employing um, is also a, a great thing. So let's talk about a little bit about international business. How, how do you find um, some of the advantages or maybe disadvantages with being in the U.S. and, you know, operating internationally when things go wrong or, or there's um, crisis to deal with. Uh, sometimes we have a hard time when it's even locally. So what is that kind of like internationally? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And it, and it's, uh, it's involved some, some hard lessons for me uh, over the years. Uh, one is there, there's significant cultural component to everything and, and everything that you're hearing back from this foreign country is, filtered through that culture and through those that context is very important to be listening. It's very important to understand, you know, for example, right now I'm working in India and I am not only do I have gray hair and I'm older, but I am also the owner of the company. So it's really not culturally okay for them to tell me something's wrong. And that's exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> 
So right. it's really challenging to make sure to put the right put to put the right words together. One of the things that is really important, I think, in every, especially non-English speaking countries, is to have a asynchronous communication link like Slack or WhatsApp or something like that that allows you to communicate with text. Because while you do lose subtlety with those, you gain accuracy. And it's also most of the time in my case, it seems like most of my time I've been spending in Asia, the time difference is so large that it's really hard to get a lot of time at the same time. So those phone calls, as you think would be the most important or actually end up being uh, key to the process, but a lot of the routine needs to come through those text-based asynchronous communication tools because that allows you to really understand, I said this on this date and the number was 28 and I didn't under misunderstand you and mishear you. Those sort of things, very specific and very helpful in that way. Um, having said all that, there's no substitute to have spent time on the ground with the person face-to-face -face in the office, maybe maybe at, over dinner, maybe at the bar, to build that relationship, put that relationship capital in the bank. So when there is something that goes wrong, you can draw on that. And there's trust and there's, uh, these people are sure that you're on their side. But uh, it's kind of, there's two sides of it. One is you have to have that emotional attachment. You have to have that relationship, but also you have to have that clear communication. So I, I really generally prefer to say, tell me what's wrong. Send me an email saying this is wrong. And this happened. And Joe said this to John. And I have all the facts. Then when I've digested that, I can get on WhatsApp and I can go get on the phone and say, all right, now what are we going to do? But I can't, un I can't, uh, understate the value of having gone there and sat across the table and sat down and broken bread and gotten to know this person, to know that they know that I am not a faceless person in another country who is just unreasonable. Uh, and mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not thinking about their best interest. Uh, so it's kind of the, there's two sides of that in terms of dealing with a problem, get those facts, but also make sure that you can deal with the person. Because that person can feel very lonely and isolated. I know when I spent, I spent years on the road in other countries working with the mothership, as it were. Uh, and even though I knew those folks had my best interest at heart, when I was sitting over there, it was really easy for me to feel neglected. It was really easy for me to feel like I was unimportant because this crisis happened at 2 a.m. in the United States, and nobody responds to me for six hours. And regardless of knowing the practical part mm -hmm. of that, I still felt like I was being neglected. And so um, definitely, um, you know, that over-communication is really important. And also, to this day, even now, you know, two nights ago, the meeting started at 10 p.m., because that's when it needed to happen. And I stay and I my, my meeting started at 10 p.m. because I wanted to be able to show them that I I respected them as much as I'm hoping that they respected me. There's a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I mean it's it's not an easy situation. I mean, let's be honest, as human beings, even speaking to our friends, our coworkers, our our significant others, like we kind of are terrible at communication. 
We've gotten so advanced in technology, but every person has had a conversation with somebody or an argument with a friend. And one will say, well, you said this. And the response is, well, I didn't mean it that way. Like everybody has said that. And so, and that's just English to English, same culture, same, same city, same everything. So when we're dealing internationally, um, different languages as a first language, different cultural things, then that communication can become harder, but it's also um, more important to be able to communicate. And, And as you said, if there's a problem, and I've dealt with people internationally too with stuff and, and, oh yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be done tomorrow. It'll be done tomorrow. Tomorrow. And it's like, don't, don't keep telling me tomorrow if it's going to be a week, just tell me a week because then I can plan for that. Right. But they don't want to say it because they want, you know, well, we'll get it done tomorrow because they want to make me happy. Mm-hmm. But by not telling me the actual reality, it doesn't make me happy because I'm planning for that tomorrow. That's not coming till next week. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't count how many times that exact thing has happened. Um, yeah. Or not understanding the cultural subtext of what people are telling me um, mm-hmm. is, is something I've learned a lot about. And, and I've spent, I learned now, I, I really need to understand the cultural really well before I can move forward. Uh, you know, in, in Asia, they have this idea in all Asian cultures, but definitely um all Asian cultures have this to some degree, the idea of being inside or outside the group. If I'm inside the group, I am loyal. I am uh, to a fault. I will do anything for you. If I'm outside the group, you know, it really doesn't matter that much. (laughs) And (laughs) when I'm talking to somebody, I need to understand whether I'm inside or outside their group. And if if I'm outside and I don't get treated the way I want, I shouldn't be surprised or angry or upset about that because I'm just, you know, I'm outside. Or if I, I need to understand my place in many society in the pecking order, where do I live on the pecking order? And I have to live with that, whether I like it or not. Our ideas in the United States of everybody being equal and equal opportunity and, and everybody being the same. Sorry, that's not really how things go really anywhere else. I remember being shocked, uh, very early in my career, we had a, a call at the company I was with where we had people from, uh, I think it was four or five different European countries and the United States. And I tend to think of, well, Europeans, they're they're a lot like us. Well, no. <laughs> well, not at all. Uh, and the other thing, too, is that this idea, our American idea of we have to respect, we respect everyone, the idea of, uh, of, of not... Uh, and, and respecting all cultures, right? These guys, the first 10 minutes of the call would be, you know, the the Italians making fun of the Frenchmen and the Frenchmen making fun of the Englishmen, right? <laughs> or their cultures. And I wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, I would, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. But that's just a small example of the things to understand. This person, and especially if I don't understand, to not to keep my emotions at the side and not to read into things that people say that maybe really aren't there i just don't mm. understand what i'm what i'm hearing and really stopping and listening and and yeah definitely keeping that in my emotions in check and not not being quick to judge or quick to be offended right also too i guess a, another big challenge probably would be rules and regulations 
uh, <laughs> just just employment in general, not even like an overall, not getting down like how we have in North America. In there's industry specific things as well. So there's a lot of other rules and regulations with international companies and and working with that. Absolutely, Absolutely. and that's what come back into play because. Uh, there's no way to do this without hiring a local professional, a lawyer, an accountant. These people, they you have to know that law and the idea that I'm going to learn that to the extent I need to, that's not really realistic. So, but the ticket is hard to find someone who is uh, who you want, who you can trust and who you can listen to, which is which comes back again to the relationship. And you know, in terms of employment, yeah. It, I remember I uh, when I started when I started my my first company in India, it was going the other way. I was selling American goods in India, and I found this guy. He was this great guy who could run my office and he could sell you your own socks, and he was just fantastic. And I said, "Great, I want to hire you. What do you want?" And he started talking about his. He needed an allowance for his driver, and he needed an allowance for his clothing, and he needed an allowance for. Uh, his office worker and he needed there and his pay package was this document that was 30 pages. And in wow. the end, I, I, and I, I did, I, my, most importantly to me at the time was I had to hire this guy. I really needed him. And so I said, look, um, here's how much I want to pay you overall. Would that work for you? And he's like, yes. And I made sure I knew what he was getting paid as I made sure it was a nice raise and he would be happy with it. I said, all right, now you just send me, you split it up any way you want because mm -hmm. the ticket is in there is the tax system is such that there are, there's expenses he can have that he doesn't get paid taxes on. And there's expenses that he has then there. And then there's the income that is taxed. And there's a certain way that that's done just like it is in the United States, but I couldn't even pretend to understand it. So I said, look, you set it up exactly the way you want, but this is how much money it's going to add up to, okay? <laughs> and, and that's how we worked it out. And I got my my 30-page pay package back from him saying, this is what I want. And uh, it worked out great. But it, it's a good example. You know, that, of course, I had to take that back to my lawyer to make sure that there was nothing <clears throat> there was nothing untoward in there. And, of course, there wasn't. But uh, this, uh, yeah, this openness and also, for me, uh, humility. I want to be, I have a tendency, right? I want to be in charge and I want to show myself as in charge and I want to be the guy. I own the company. Uh, but boy, to stop and listen and also acknowledge, for example, I am never going to understand the Indian legal system. So the idea that I really need someone to help me who is going to be on my side. So I think that works with everywhere. But that humility um, always in, in everything to know that you know, the last thing I ever want to be is an ugly American. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think though too, even like, especially with internationally, because things are so different and coming from North America, we do have this tendency to be, you know, if, if somebody's the boss, the ego, the big um, thing that we have, and we've, we've kind of built that up, which, it, it kind of becomes a disservice to us because especially with how things quick, how quickly things are changing, whether we think of technology yeah. and just like international trade and everything, that just because we know something and we've known it for many years doesn't mean there's not a better, easier or faster way to get it done. And so 
truly the best leaders, I believe, are ones that are that, that'll train somebody. Like when I train somebody, I train them and say, okay, this is how I do this. That's the way I know to do it. This is how I do it. If you know of a different way, a better way, a faster way, maybe a, a less expensive way, if there is something else, if you know of another way, I'm open to looking at other ways because I can't keep up with everything. And maybe they've just learned another way and they're faster and it's good. And as long as the end result is the same, for me, it's it, the end result is is what's necessary. How we Absolutely. get to that end result, I'm very flexible with. Absolutely. And especially in that type of a situation where you're somewhere else, you can't possibly know. You can't possibly know. Um, at the same time, one of the things, the mistakes that I tried to do uh, early in my career is somehow I tried to go subvert who I was to blend in. My very first international assignment was in Japan. And I took classes and I studied the language and it was all good. That's all good stuff to do. But I came over there and I tried to be Japanese. And I can tell you that they were a lot better at G being Japanese than I was. <laughs> and they always were going to be. But, you know, they, they couldn't be. Right. And that really wasn't what I was sent there to do either. My, my, mm -hmm. I was sent over there for my skills and my abilities. And, uh, you know, now that I'm making those decisions myself, I have to make sure that I have something to add to the party. That's just me. You know, I'm never going to be German. I'm never going to be Japanese. And it's just, I have to be myself, but I have to listen. I have to right. listen. Listening is, is definitely key. So culturally, um, communication, those are obviously legalities um, with opening. How did you find, so are you, is your company incorporated in India or in the U.S. working with um, people in India? If that question just makes sense. Yes, of course. <laughs> we, have, we have an Indian company uh, and we have an American company that operate at arm's length with each other. And that I think is really, really important to anybody who's trying to do this is that if you're trying to go move money back and forth between the United States and anywhere, uh, you need two separate companies that are conducting an arm's length transaction that would be uh, reasonable for anyone. You know, the example, if if my Indian company is selling me something, uh, they better make a profit, for example, even though taxes are much more favorable in the United States. I'd much rather pay income tax in the United States than I would in India. In this case, that's how it works. But if I don't, if this doesn't look like a reasonable arm's length transaction between the two countries, the IRS is going to come and take this money anyway, and so is the Indian government. So uh, anywhere we set up it, those two separate entities and also those arms links, completely transparent transactions are really, really important, right? We have, uh, we, you know, even though it's the same, even in some cases, even the same people own the same companies, we send detailed invoices and detailed deliveries. And it's very, very clear and transparent what we're doing, how much we're paying and what we're paying for. And uh, that's really, I think, really important for uh uh for 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 uh from a tax standpoint but also just from an integrity standpoint of course so. i mean to do to do sketchy things that to me i would always be like 
are they going to find out? Am I going to get caught? Like I'd always be worried about, you know, looking over my shoulder and, and there's always ways to set things up properly, to do them properly, ways to reduce taxes legally and the way that we're allowed and just being able to sleep at night, knowing I'm doing everything the correct way and the right way and have no worries about it. Exactly. You know, I, cause I, had, I set up a company in Switzerland a number of years ago uh, and its entire purpose was to um, bring profits into Switzerland where they had a very specific, for our company, a very specific deal where the taxes were tremendously favorable. Uh, mm -hmm. And we had to do it in a certain way. And was that a, a tax dodge? I guess it was, but it was completely legal and completely ethical because we did it exactly according to the rules. And that's really, mm -hmm. this comes back to the same thing of getting the right advice, the right local advice, uh, when you do any business anywhere. Um, yeah, I know, and you know, a lot of my friends, you know, expat friends who are working in, in, in Europe, for example, uh, mm -hmm. the first thing they do is get a great expat lawyer. <laughs> right. You know, that's, that's the thing in order to get that, uh, it's much easier to do it right the first time than to get in trouble and try to go extricate yourself. Uh, that's exactly. really yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, and there's lots of different structures. I mean, if we look at Google and Amazon and all of those companies, like they they are structured very well, very complicated because they're very large. But again, they they have um, incorporations in, in other countries for for tax purposes to to reduce taxes. Um, and so, you know, it's it can be done. It's not illegal, but it is playing within the rules as long as you do play by the rules because every country has their own rules and especially coming from the United States. So I'm from Canada. So it's a little bit different that, um, you know, if, if, if somebody leaves United Canada um, as the resident, they don't have to file taxes anymore. But as a U.S. citizen, no matter what, you're always having to file paperwork every single year, no matter where you're living. <laughs> yes, they're going to take your money. They're going to take that money no matter what. So just be ready for that. Yeah, yeah, but and it again, so it's just following within the rules and they have a lot. So having a good a good uh, tax attorney and, and an accountant and, and a good accountant anyway. I mean, any any good business wants to know, like, oh, I know where I'm spending my money, where maybe I'm spending too much or maybe I should be spending more somewhere else. And no matter where we are for business, we want to make sure that we we know where everything's going and where it's coming in from. Absolutely. As a business, it's the number one thing as a um one of my other other hats I wear is is uh, I'm a I'm, I consult uh, for business international and domestic both, and it all comes back to understanding those understanding your own numbers. Any business you have anywhere, if you don't understand your own numbers, uh, that's that's uh, that's going to come back and and cause bad things to happen. So, uh, and, and and internationally, it's even more so than anything we could do in the United States. So how how was the process like comparing setting up a corporation in the United States and doing that in India? How what what were things that were some things that were maybe a bit similar or completely different or a, a, a bit of a I don't want to say a nightmare because obviously it gets done everything eventually. I'm sure it was yes you know yes. well yeah and this this it comes back it's really good to have a local agent when you're trying to do that but yeah in, I live in Wyoming which okay. is one of the least regulated state in the states of all, maybe the least one of the least regulated places in the, on the planet. Um, I can, you can set up a company start to finish in Wyoming in a day for about $300. Wow. 
So okay. you know, it's, it doesn't get any easier than that. Whereas mm -hmm. if I'm going to contrast opening a bank account. Now, I tried in China to open up a bank account for four years and never succeeded. Wow. <laughs> in India, I did. I opened up a bank account. And I, um, my, uh, the banker is saying, what I want you to do we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to open up the bank account tomorrow, come in, sit down, we'll get it done. But I need you to practice your signature. I'm like what? It's your signature. I need to practice my signature. He says, just be ready. It needs to be very consistent. I'm like, okay. Oh, I my okay. name my whole life. How could this be? I signed my name 56 times to open a bank account. Wow. That's crazy. And I, worked with that. I had a local signer, the guy that the guy I just I talked about hiring. And I'm really glad I did a good local signer on account because they would not accept ever accept my signature on a check ever again. Because my signature was not consistent enough. They didn't believe, even though they're looking at me, watching me sign, they know it's me. I'm standing in the bank signing the check. They would not accept the check because it didn't match my signature that I signed 56 times closely enough. Uh, That's so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the, you know, some of the laws that, that we had to comply with and all the different things we in, in uh, uh, when I set up business in Switzerland, mm -hmm. there is a rule that no one can be more than eight feet from a window. Now, when I started this whole thing up, I'm thinking I'm going to put in cubicles and I got an American style. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, guy I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing to be the GM there is says, well, uh, I'll have you, I want you to know that I have a good chef. A chef? Well, I'm glad you know a good chef. Why are we talking about this in your job interview? Are, are we going for so, dinner? <laughs> you have to have a chef. It's required to have a chef. And you know, you can't put this many people in a room because they're too far away from a window. So you have to cut skylights in the roof in order to make the man in order to, to, to you, you can do that. If it's if you have a skylight above that's eight feet, as long as the ceiling's not too high, you can get by with that. Um, there's there's uh, but uh, the amount of bureaucracy anywhere that I've been, I imagine there may be places that aren't this way, but uh, everywhere I've been compared to here. And, you know, I did a lot of business in California, which is the most, the opposite, the most regulated, maybe, uh, state in the union, uh, nowhere near compared to what it's like anywhere I've tried to do things outside these shores. Um, employment law. I had a German office that I decided I didn't want to do anymore, and I wanted to, I wanted to shut it down. Um, I had to pay them for more than a year. Wow. After I whether they got another job or not. Maybe so, I need to go find a job in Germany. No. <laughs> I, found, I, found, I, I kept the thing open and I, a year longer than I planned because I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't face the idea of spending all this money. Or paying so, all you know, staff it, it for a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these, these regular, and, and the only way you can know this stuff is to have good local representation who is going to, take care of you and depending on where you are in the world you have to have a real personal relationship now in in, in europe and some of the more traditional western countries there's a lot more sort of 
faith in contracts and faith in, you know, you can write down an agreement and you know it's going to get stuck to. Whereas as you go further into Asia or further into the third world, uh, it's much, much more about what I believe, I believe in you and you believe in me and we shook the hands. And even though it didn't necessarily go the way we planned, we're going to work together and make it work. Uh, so <clears throat> that's another thing to really understand if you're going to go work somewhere else or start a business is just how, where are you on that continuum of we're going to shake hands or, and I, we're, it's all about whether or not we believe each other or whether or not this piece of paper here is the most important thing. So right. these are things to, uh, you know, these are things to really understand before you're, what you're getting into. You know, I just, that's, you know, my biggest, if anybody's listening and wondering about the most important thing is go make sure that you have people on the ground who understand you and trust you to, and you trust, and you trust to go work together because you can't know when you're going into that foreign culture, whatever culture it is, you just can't know. You're just going to have right. to trust people to help you. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the most important things. And, and as you said, it's it's building up that rapport because you don't know. And um, connections, very important. People who know somebody that, that you can trust and then build up that rapport. Because it would be very hard to just show up in, in another country and not know anybody and maybe you have like I I move around a lot and I'm in different places and I have I have some different business ideas that I think would go well in in various countries but then it's okay who who do I know here who can I trust who can I talk to just about just basic labor laws um contracts what what needs to be done and 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 the right lawyer because you know not all lawyers will have a foreigner's best interest they could have the local best interest, whether it's legal or not legal. So it really is building up that rapport. But however, with all that being said, you know, I wouldn't want to scare anybody away of thinking, oh my gosh, it's it's too hard. It's it is a lot of due diligence, but it's it is a little bit more challenging than locally. But we we see it happen even locally where there's bad business deals and bad individuals that, you know, are, are out to, to take advantage of people. So, but we just have to be a little bit more understanding, I think, as you said, first with culturally. And, and if we open to those understandings of being open to their culture and, and learning and letting them know that we are willing to learn and understand, it, it creates a better relationship as well. Yeah, it really, it really does. I, I, I agree. If you, if you want to do it, you can do it. There is nothing out there that's impossible. And you know, I spend, you know, my, a lot of my domestic consulting work is trying to unravel those kind of bad deals that you're talking about. So it isn't, it's going to happen anywhere. You just need to be ready for that. Um, it's just going to be, it's just going to happen differently. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and that's the hard part. It's really hard to anticipate. I remember going into a supplier's factory one time and, uh, I'm walking in there and over in the corner, I can see this supplier building my product for sale in, the, in, the, in his country. And I was incensed. I was, what, I was like, what have you done? You've stolen my product. And he said, well, you know, the contract said that if you miss deliveries, we have the right to manufacture our own. And if you remember, a year and a half ago, you were late 
for about six weeks. I'm like, well, you're right. We were, we were late, but mm -hmm. so he started, so he was well within his law. He was well, so within the law, well within his rights to do that. But I would never do that. I would, I would never, that to me seemed a horrible breach of ethics, but to him, right. no, because this is the Asian thing, right? I was outside his group. And so if he took advantage of me, that was okay. And he didn't even understand why I was upset. For him, it was completely, uh, he, he was completely like normal. You, you were six weeks late. It's legal. This is how it works here. It's yeah. He didn't think anything of it. He, he, he didn't made no effort to hide it or anything else, right? He didn't try to avoid my seeing his work because he didn't think he did anything wrong. So uh, this is an example of having humility, uh, not, uh, not applying my rules to someone else's culture. Uh, in the end, we found a different way to do work because I still didn't want him. I still didn't want him competing with me. But in the end, <laughs> I, I can say, yeah, well, whose fault was that really? Well, it was mine. You know, because <laughs> I was six. And that, that's 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 a tough one, and and we, we do have to do that. I mean, that and that's in a in a, a major situation. But even if we think of of smaller things as well, you know, it 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 really all comes back to us. We're we're working either in our country or internationally. When things fall apart or go wrong, all I did, we always initially want to blame somebody else. Somebody didn't do their job. Somebody didn't do this, and and we we point fingers. But ultimately, a lot of things come back to us. Did did we miss something? Did we not train somebody properly? Did we not read the contract? Did we not understand? And and we need to to take responsibility. I think um, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you know or follow him, um, but he says within his company he says when if anything goes bad, it's my fault. And he's got I think a couple hundred employees, um, and and he always says everything comes back to me because it's up to me to make sure everything runs smoothly and gets done the way that it does. If he says if if Jane doesn't do something or or does it wrong, it's my fault because I didn't either train somebody to make sure that it gets done properly. Yeah, I mean that's just a real yeah, and that's just a, just a real fundamental tenet of how I live my life is everything that anything goes wrong, I know that there's a piece of it. That's my fault. Mm -hmm. And what is it that, that I can learn? What is it that I can change about myself to go make sure that doesn't mm -hmm. happen? Even, even if the other person was completely unscrupulous or did something really not smart, it still comes back to what's my piece of it. And right. that's been very valuable to me. And, and the ability, if that's really built into my brain as it is with me, when I get in those situations where I feel like somebody has done something wrong for me, I'm automatically going to stop. I'm not going to get really angry. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to say things that in the end, I'm going to regret later because, you know, probably mm -hmm. I did something to cause this. <laughs> Maybe not Yeah, it's, it's usually yeah. not 100% somebody else's fault. There's. Yeah. yeah. In the end, I terminated the business relationship with the guy because, uh, you know, he didn't, he was building my product and he didn't tell me. And that's, it was not right. okay with me, but right. I didn't, I did that in an orderly and professional way that, you know, those two companies, I'm not with, with around involved with either of them, but those two companies still work together to this day. So uh, they found a way around it, but I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't. <laughs> a know, tough, I it's, it's a tough learning, what I call, yeah, yeah, it's what I call a tough learning experience. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I generally try not to think of things as failures. 
or or blame or something like that. Like I always think, okay, that didn't work. What happened? What went wrong? And and what what parts did whoever was involved with play? Because in most in most situations, it's not just one person. There's a number of people, a number of moving parts. And what did they all? What parts did they all play? But then also, what was my role in that? And now that I know that this has happened, what things am I going to do in the future? to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen again. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's just tremendously important, I think, in any kind of business, but definitely mm-hmm. the business we're talking about because we're going to see, at least I have definitely, I've been surprised by things I would have never thought in a million years would happen. And <laughs> you know, there they did. So right. uh, I had to be ready for, had ready for those things. And what is it that I'm going to be able to do about it? And uh, you know, how is that going to affect the relationships that I have with the people involved, because especially I think even more so than in the United States, those relationships are what's going to make or break uh, your business. It's uh, mm-hmm. very few things in the world that are really transactional and truly transactional. Really don't they really and and, and uh, business doesn't matter, especially in small businesses, which what you're we're really talking about here is for the most part we're not talking about somebody who wants to, to who has a five billion dollar company and wants to open up right. in asia somebody mm-hmm. who wants to go to to italy and start a small business that's those are all about mm-hmm. relationships and uh that's the most important thing yeah, definitely yeah and even even if sometimes things don't work with that specific person or company they they, they continue on with other relationships oh yeah right like Absolutely. You know, when, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> my okay. first, my first, uh, incursion into India, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. to that exact conclusion, it, you know, we, it, we, we dissolved the relationship and we, and we, we went our separate ways because, uh, I, I, I had just picked the wrong people, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back, we started, I, I restarted with a different set of people and we was successful. Um, and that you know, sometimes that that's sort of a worst case scenario. Of, you know, we have to start over completely. Um, but again, it's come back and what did I, you know, what, and in that case, I had the wrong commercial relationships. I had the wrong mm-hmm. business setup. I thought I could work at arm's length and go through sales representatives and, uh, and, and not commit. Even though I had gotten advice from smart people saying, no one's ever going to work with you if you're not permanent they're going to ask what's going to happen five years from now when when something goes wrong with my product where's this guy going to be he's not even here at all i you're so i that what i had to do in that situation i went from being commercial sales reps into founding a company and hiring my own employees and my own service people and my own drivers and my own everything and when i did that people believed that i was real and Mm -hmm. and uh the business was uh i'm still involved although only uh well, shall we say peripherally, but uh, that business for that product is the number one, has the largest market share in, in, in the country. And now there's, there's many, many people there in offices all over the place, but it, um, I made. You had to start, with, you had to start with those relationships. So they knew that you would be around. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like you're saying, and this has happened to me so many times when I first thought you don't succeed, just try again. Yeah. Like, I, I, and I had to go back and say, especially the people who were investing in me, saying, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was fundamentally having the wrong approach. And now I'm going to go back and make the right approach. 
um, which wasn't easy, but uh, there that, um, you know, just because it didn't work the first time, just because you had the wrong idea, but definitely going into another country, it's really, really important to not have any, um, make sure that the ideas that you're married to are really worth being married to. I mean, if right. I had an approach mm -hmm. to business, I wanted to go sell this in India. That was what I was married to. That was what I really wanted to do. My mm -hmm. approach, I had the wrong approach. Okay. And I can, I, I need to be able to change. I have an idea, but that doesn't, when I get on the ground, I may not necessarily work. So mm -hmm. having that in mind of what my real mission is and what my real uh, objectives are, uh, is really important. And then the rest of it, let's just keep it loose because we don't know right. what's going to be there and what's not. <laughs> Ab yeah. Absolutely. I think guidelines, it's, it's good to have guidelines. Like, you know, it's, everybody says, oh, make a plan, have a plan. But to me, a plan almost seems like we're, we're too focused. It's too concrete. Like this is part of the plan. That yeah. wasn't part of the plan, but we have to have um, key points, but everything else is a guide. Exactly. There, but you learned so much. So it's like, oh, okay. Well, even though I'm starting over, I'm really not starting at zero because I have now all this new information. So I'm still starting over, but it's never really at zero because we've already learned things. Exactly. Um, and it's faster to, to restart. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, even, you know, even relationships. I know, yeah, you know, it took me, I tried the wrong way for almost two years. And, uh, but it, I got the new way up and uh, we sold our first product and we're in business in about six weeks. We, wow. you know, we so, had it down the second time around. Yeah. We had it down. So, yeah, it's, it's a much, like you said, you don't start at zero. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Thomas, I want to thank you very much for your time today. I'm sure our listeners got a lot of valuable information. And if they want to connect with you, um, whether they're wanting to open up something locally, internationally, to get some advice, um, to work with you, where can they find you? Okay. Um, you can go to my website, which is very simple, six letters, tagyo.com, T-A-G, which stands for the Advanced Group, Wyoming, T-A-G-W-Y-O.com. And my email is Tom Danamiller at tagwild.com. And that might be the easiest way. I'm of course I'm on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Uh, you know, just, there are lots of different places to get a hold of me and I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. And we'll add some of those links to the show notes below to make it easy for everyone as well. All right. That's great. Great. Well once again I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on your show. <laughs>